face to face, hand to hand, film to film. Welcome to the Film to Film podcast. My name is James Shergan. I am joined here by my good friend Inyaki. How are you doing, Inyaki? I'm doing well, doing well. Uh, you know, another another week. Uh, today was the, uh, today uh, the actor for Sonny Corleone died. Yeah, James Caan. Yeah, uh, classic. Yeah, I know. Uh, he was also in uh, Misery, a great yeah horror. Rushmore as well. Mm-hmm. I think uh, the that or is it Bottle Rocket? No, it's Rush, Bottle Rocket. That's right. The early Wes Anderson. Yeah, yeah. So you know, pretty sad news. Uh, although he was he lived a long long good life. I hope. Yeah, I mean, if he lived like uh, Sonny Corleone, then living to eighty two is pretty good. Yeah. Something tells me he didn't live exactly like Sonny Corleone did, but you know, <laughs> uh, he he always had kind of a volatile presence. So I, I was always a fan of him. I mean, he's like one of those guys from the 70s that always has, uh, you know, a very uniqueness to him. So, uh, yeah, sad to see him go for sure. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I mean, I was, yeah, I mean, he he was very good. I mean, I, I remember him more actually from Misery than, uh, than The Godfather, perhaps because I've seen The Godfather, like, uh, I saw The Misery more recently than The Godfather. On a mystery where he's, you know, it's just a guy in bed. He does a great job. So Yeah. How does Misery hold up? I haven't seen that film in probably um some sixteen or seventeen years. Um I mean last time I saw it was in two thousand nine. Oh, okay. So you, you have not watched The Godfather recently either? No, no, no. <laughs> I watched The Godfather when I was in high school. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, Misery is a film I don't remember that well, uh, but it's one I've been meaning to revisit for probably five years and I just haven't got around to it yet. Uh, anyways, um, today we are talking about The Big Racket, 1976. I was going to pick a double feature of Argento Jolly, uh, but we actually did not have um, scheduling conflicts, you know, with our very busy uh, film schedule here we, we could not make that happen so we had to settle uh, for a little bit of a different film uh, The Big Racket going back to our original roots here at Film to Film with a good old fashioned Eurocrime Polizio Tesky mm-hmm. uh, Inyagi uh, how did you like The Big Racket? Um, uh, they, overall I liked it uh, I think uh, they, they went a little too far in a couple of scenes Um but uh, I thought that um, once you had the crew from, you know, the last, uh, uh, for the last scene, or gearing the crew for, for, for the last scene, it was just fun seeing uh, these characters try to uh, fight off this um, extortion mafia. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me, too, uh, I I think I mostly agree. Uh, For the most part, I think I'm someone that's less bothered by uh, the extremities to it. I feel like 90% of this film is, like, pretty fun. uh, And, like, 10% of it is, like, pretty darn mean-spirited. Like, really mean-spirited. There's not one, but two pretty nasty rape scenes uh, with sexual violence. and One with uh, a child. 
Yes. And uh, the second one being particularly graphic and maybe even more upsetting. Um, and also, there's just like a lot of bad stuff going on. Like everyone here, there's a lot of characters. This film has a body count and there's a lot of characters going down, including uh, a lot of the main characters here. So if you haven't uh, listened to us, we spoil podcasts. So sorry, <laughs> there are two rape scenes uh, in this film. Uh, so yeah, uh, it sounds like other than uh, maybe the nastiness of the film, did you enjoy it? Yeah, I thought I, I actually like the characters. Um, I, mean, uh, I mean, obviously, uh, its main message I probably disagree with, uh, but uh, you know, we're not watching movies for politics. We're watching it for entertainment, and in that sense. Uh, it was a fun movie to watch. Right, right, yeah. I mean, one of the things I like about this film, and probably the main reason I do like it, is it's sometimes that you have films that very much fill in the mode of certain ones. Like, a lot of these Italian Poliziotescis kind of follow Dirty Harry. And this one does too, but then this one also adds in a bunch of other different elements to it. So it feels like they're just tossing everything in the kitchen sink at you. Like, at the end, it kind of becomes like Man on a Mission, sort of like Dirty Dozen, where we have all, like, these misfits and characters together banding together for kind of this uh, quasi-revenge plot. We have, like, some characters kind of mixed in that it's almost like they're in, like, a different film, like a rape-revenge film. Like, we have a skeet shooter involved. It just feels like they have all these different ideas, and they're just, like, tossing everything at you. And I kind of really... Uh, I kind of love that uh, in this film, and I, I think, mm-hmm. for me, that's one of the parts that is fun. Of course, yes, uh, you know, if you hear that part, this film is also um, <laughs> shaded with kind of, like, the nastiness that motivates these characters of just like a really really nasty kind of racketeering uh mob that the everyone is kind of rallying together against um okay uh so this film uh was directed by enzo g castellari uh famous for the original inglorious bastards uh we have brought a film on before of his uh street law so maybe totally unsurprising, uh, considering kind of a similar subject matter in some ways. This film is definitely a little bit more complicated, a lot more going on uh, than Street Law, which I think is a little bit more simpler. But uh, I think they do bear some stylistic similarities. Uh, they You can call both of the politics of them to be uh, kind of reactionary in a way as well. Um, and the film was quite successful at the time, 1.479 billion lira. Uh, released in 1976. This is more or less at the height of the Italian film industry when the industry is going really strong. There's a lot of domestic films doing very, very well here. Um, Okay, well, I want to kick it to you. Uh, Anything that really stood out to you uh, of the film before I kind of start going through some of the uh, talking points I got? Um, uh, I mean, I I did did like the the sort of team-up element at the end of the film uh, that made it uh, that added an element that as you mentioned yourself is it's kind of interesting it's kind of fun uh, that that was probably the highlight for me is just uh, seeing these different uh, characters all with uh, a revenge concept uh, getting together and working together in, in killing the this mob yeah, so would you say that the last act was kind of your favorite where we, we put the team together? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the funny part with this is you don't even necessarily see that coming. 
like it kind of brings back characters that were in the first 20 minutes and and then they come back uh kind of rallying together uh in order to do this after everything that inspector palmieri uh does fails um i i would agree with you i think that's my favorite too uh just you know you have like this real mishmash of different people it reminds me a lot of the dirty dozen i'm a big fan of that film too where you have like all of these groups of people a lot of great faces in the italian film industry everyone kind of stands out and has kind of their own thing uh yeah were there who was the did were there any standouts of the crew that they put together i mean i like the um i forgot his name now uh, oh pepe yeah 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 uh, i thought pepe was funny too <laughs> yeah pepe was my favorite character um uh, i mean i that if anything i think to me pepe stole the movie like whenever pepe was in the film uh he was just so charming uh uh even when he was you know robbing uh, a hotel or a museum just the, the manner in which he did it his gentleness of it all of it was just so lovely and enjoyable <laughs> yeah yeah i love pepe too i mean there's something that's I wonder if there's a little bit of social commentary baked in there as well in the, just the sense how cr- crime has changed in Italy too and sort of how you have this like very old school criminal and he just is a total contrast to the way that the rest of the criminals are doing stuff like the main racketeering who are the villains uh, of the show. And so just having kind of your gentleman criminal uh, like your Lupin type figure that, mm-hmm. well, not exactly Lupin, but sort of in that sort of like very uh, genteel like like kind to everyone doesn't put them at danger uh but he is still a criminal uh stealing from people uh it, yeah i i like it too um and yeah he's kind of a one of the more interesting additions to the plot yeah i think i think that's when the plot started getting better i mean you, you also have uh i think it was uh i mean the other character i think that some some could say was the, like the heart of the team is you know uh, Luigi uh, by Renzo Palmer, um, who becomes a psycho killer. Uh, yeah, and, you know it, it adds a little bit to that danger uh, of the team, and that was kind of fun. I mean, uh, between Luigi and uh, what's the other one, uh, the skeet shooter? Um, uh, yeah, what what is the skeet shooter's name? But yeah. Yeah, I'm, uh, uh, I'm looking it up right now. Is it Gianni? Uh, Rossetti, is that right? Yeah, Gianni Rossetti. Or is that the actor? Yeah, but uh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Anyways, continue. Yeah, I, I mean, th- those two were sort of like uh, your everyday man going, becoming, you know, uh, revenge uh seekers uh that that added to you know that that and and in in two very different ways with uh the skit shooter being you know very methodical while uh luigi just going crazy yeah 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 i mean in a different movie that is like the whole movie it's almost like you have five (coughs) different movies just baked into this one thing uh, where it's like you could have a total movie about the ski shooter. In fact, like that's basically kind of what a lot of those just normal rape revenge films were, or even uh, the restauranteur um, uh, played by Renzo Palmer, uh, uh, Luigi. Uh, yeah. So 
I agree. Um, I thought both of those guys just have good faces. They're very distinct. I thought this film was really well cast, not necessarily because anyone is like a super great Oscar winning actor, but just because they have those like great faces that stick out. And, you know, all these films are dubbed. So I think a lot of the casting agents and stuff like that were kind of, or the directors were looking at these people trying to think of ways to be expressive in ways that necessarily didn't involve um, like great dialogue or anything like that. And I mm-hmm. think in that sense, uh, the film is very well cast because sometimes in some of these films, people will mix up and you can mix people up. And this film, I feel like each one of the dirty dozen or dirty half dozen is very distinct. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and, and uh, in that sense, both of those characters also do have real arcs, even though they are very simple and predictable. Um, I thought both of the actors doing it, Renzo Palmer plays kind of the deranged restaurant here. I thought, yeah, I, I thought they both did uh, great jobs. I mean, Renzo Palmer, uh, who plays the restaurant here, it's like, I, 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 did, I definitely did not see it coming full circle where he just becomes like a psychotic in jail. And like, basically, and, and Palmieri is just like, oh, you've killed three people in jail? Great, we'll get you out and we'll get you uh, on the revenge mission. It's just, it's it's terrible policing, but uh, at that point- Well, he was fired course. already, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, question, Doringo, uh, the, the character played by uh, Romana Popo. Um, uh-huh. I don't remember seeing him anywhere in the movie, and then he's like one of the people who joined the group. He's like the former head of. Uh... Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I agree. He was not in there. I. It makes me wonder if his scenes earlier were cut out, and and because they just couldn't make it work. I mean, this film is an hour forty-four, so it's a little bit long for a Eurocrime Politiotesky. So maybe they just cut the scenes. Um, but yeah, I I was kind of racking my brain to say, where have I seen this person before? Um, but no, I don't think he's in there until like the last uh, half an hour. Yeah, it, it is, it's interesting. He looks a lot like, a, uh, like a, he looks identically to a, a, almost the same as a, a coach from Chile, but that coaches in Spain and also used to coach the West Ham United. His, ne- his name being Manuel Pe- Pellegrini, so obviously also with an Italian background. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, if you ever look at a picture of Pellegrini and uh, Pupo, they look very similar. Very similar. What, what, what's the uh, Chilean coach's name? Uh, Manuel Pellegrini. So okay. P-E-L-L-E-G-R-I-N-I. Oh, yeah. Jeez. I know, yeah, right? These, these two are definitely cousins. <laughs> and they have like the same like white hair look it's like the same hairdo almost too yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay well there you have it uh yeah i mean romano pupo uh he's castellari one of the things he liked to do is he liked to cast stuntmen in real acting roles mm-hmm. and uh pupo was one of those guys um fabio testi as well who is the lead palmieri uh, started out as a stuntman too and i think castellari might be the best uh, action director of the italians during this era and so i think it kind of shows and who he chooses um to cast there but that is kind of funny with pupo um but yeah you're right uh, i don't think uh what's his name Doringo appears until that last half an hour yeah and they definitely used him uh doing his stunts 
he climb like climb up, climb down, like stuff. He did uh, some crazy jumps. I mean, nothing yeah, yeah, yeah. huge, but enough to be like, okay, this guy is at a whole different level than everyone else. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think the action of this film is pretty pretty darn good uh, for what it is. I don't. I mean, these Italian films, it's interesting kind of going back and forth between Hong Kong and them. Personally, I do love both countries. I think in terms of physical stunts, Hong Kong is very difficult to beat. But, uh, you know, uh, I think the Italians, in terms of gun violence and stuff like that, and car scenes, not Ooh. that there were any in this film, uh, definitely can hold their own. Uh, yeah, uh, my favorite of the ending too, not that he's my favorite character, is Mozzarella, who just has like that giant plate uh, put in over his chest and he basically kind of becomes like the Terminator uh, for about two seconds before <laughs> he's shot in the nuts to finish him off. Um, <laughs> so that, that was one of my favorite scenes where uh, the woman uh, racketeer shoots him and he blows her away and he starts taunting. And then he immediately gets uh, his nut shot off. Um, so that was one of my favorite moments there. Yeah, uh, that female racketeer, she is, she is kind of like almost like a lead, leading member of the of the gang. She might be the most vile. Uh, she's certainly one of the most memorable, if not the most memorable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, where do you stand on the actual uh, racketeers and stuff, moving a little bit away from that third act? I mean, like, how do you, yeah. You know, if my inner Nathaniel comes out, uh, the entire plan uh, was ridiculous. Um, like, the, the ultimate plan, right, to just racketeer the entire country uh, was just overly insane. Because uh, at that point, you're... you're, you're you know, unlike uh, uh, like uh, unlike you know drug cartels or other things which actually produce a product that is sold, and basically then they, with that money they can bribe politicians. Uh, racketeering just for the whole sake of like ex through extortion only uh, is just. As as one person said in in, in at the beginning, like when they, they were showing the entire system, the, the, how they did it, it was like it's just an additional tax to people, nothing else. So it it it's like a, a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> so you're saying that the racketeers need to go back to business school. I mean. So racket that, that yeah like that type of extortion is common among mafia families, but they cannot grow to the level that they did, because at that point, the police and the military will get involved, and then they're screwed. And then they're yeah. screwed. Yeah. Unlike drug cartels, where your your level, uh, your finances uh, can exponentially grow because you're not, your your business is not hurting other people. Your business is making a product. <laughs> I mean, in one case, you literally are making people pay you so you don't break up their shit. In the other one, you're having people pay you because you're selling a product. So that is sustainable, and you can then have enough money to bribe everyone if you want to have like that type of racketeer.
There you go. And if you're interested in small-time racketeering, you can check out uh, Inyaki's other podcast. I uh, know. I know. I'll, <laughs> t- I'll tell you how to, you know, build a, a securitize your uh, your expenses. Make sure that you, you know, you gotta yeah. have uh, shell companies for that. Uh, that way you can. But it's pa- Patreon only, so you have to pay them fifty dollars a month to I know. learn properly. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, but. Uh, no, you know what I'm saying. Like, yeah, yeah, it, it's totally absurd. I mean, it's ridiculous. Not to mention that uh, I like how the big reveal of who is like the boss in charge is like just the lawyer. <laughs> it's like, I know. Well, okay. It's a I mean, I'm all for lawyer. I know. I'm all for making the defense lawyers the the villains of everything. But it's it's like one of those twists that's like a little bit like I'm laughing a little bit in my head as it happens. I'm like that guy really. Yeah, I I thought. Because, I mean, I really thought the twist was going to be, you know, like, uh, he's like the, the top police boss, you know? Yeah, yeah. The, that's what it is in most movies because it makes sense. Yeah. Like, the defense attorney has little, if no power, beyond just properly defending their, their client. I mean, generally speaking, again, in a gang, being the defense attorney of a gang is actually risky business. Because <laughs> if you fuck up too bad, you get shanked, just like everyone else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, this... Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those moments where you're just kind of like, what? Okay, sure. It's like maybe like they couldn't get the person they were intending to play the big bad that day maybe had a scheduling conflict. So they're like, all right, bring in the lawyer. <laughs> He'll have, to, yeah. he'll have to play here. I mean, they could have gone full absurd and have the man come in and it's like, oh, who is that? Oh, my God, it's the president of Italy. <laughs> Il presidente, or however it's said in Italian. It, it almost would have made more sense in that in that same way. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And, and then, actually, the speech would have made sense, too, because it said, like, you already got my party. Let's go for the other ones. Yeah, yeah, you know. uh, for sure. So... Um, all right. Well, let's rewind a little bit. We're kind of a little bit all over the place on this one, which is fine um, because I think that third act deserves a lot of attention. Um, so uh, let's go back. Uh, actually, I didn't even do the synopsis. Well, basically, the synopsis is there's a racket in Italy, or is it Rome? I'm not even totally sure. And there's a cop trying to bust it, and he has to resort to increasingly dirty uh, backhanded tactics in order to uh, do it. Uh, just about nothing works. Um, in fact, we can talk about Palmieri's competence uh, during this film. Uh, I don't think he's a terribly competent police officer. Uh, he's certainly not particularly effective, and just about everything does fails until he decides to basically assemble a bunch of uh, misfits together that have been wronged by the racket uh, to basically uh, do a, uh, a revenge killing on them. Right. I mean... Truth be told, uh, we we watched a lot of uh, Italian films by now, uh, both uh, Poliziotteschi's and Giallo, and my expectations coming from you know uh, uh, Detective Palmieri is as high as my expectations for any Italian police in an Italian movie of this era, which is terrible. Just terrible job everywhere, all around. You tell yeah. people, "Hey, we're gonna protect you if you, you know, if you if you let, confess or you tell us, you make a report," and then the next day have his 
daughter murder. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Terrible job. Just the, the worst fucking cops in the world. Or, or you're in a bank and you're like, okay, I'll protect you to the angry mob that's outside. And five seconds later, you're outside and they're ripping <laughs> the person you told you were going to protect apart. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, Palmieri, you know, you might be a good guy in some ways, but bad at your job for sure. Yeah. I mean, he's you, a good he's a good fighter. You should have been fired like the first, after the first death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, realistically, yes. Um, okay, well, anyways, uh, so we're talking about Palmieri's now, who is played by Fabio Testi, mm-hmm. who is now making his I think third appearance on the Film to Film podcast. So one of uh, the regulars at this point, he was in Revolver, playing the younger lead with Oliver Reed. Uh, kind of the criminal that he has to break uh, out of prison. And then he plays uh, uh, the kind of sleazy teacher in What Have They Done to Solange, uh, who is having an affair with one of his students. That was a giallo film. And now he is here playing uh, the solo lead in The Big Racket. Uh, how'd you like him in this film? It was good. Okay. <laughs> he, I mean, he... He played the... The smart-ass detective that gets really angry. Yeah, he played the dirty, hairy-type part, um, except, like, much less competent than Dirty Harry. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I like him a fair amount in this film. I think he's mostly competent uh, in the role. I, I don't think he's a great actor, but he's another one of those guys that has, like, a very distinct presence and face. Um, I don't like him quite as much as Franco Nero, who is in a lot of the Castellari films, but I, I think he's one of those solid people that I'm always glad to see him a, a, around uh, in these roles. Um, and he kind of has that big presence. He's good at the physical stunts and the action as well. Uh, kind of like someone like Keanu Reeves is gifted at, at that sort of acting. Mm-hmm. Um, so well suits him well towards like kind of the genre stuff. Yeah, also very stylish uh, with his clothing. For sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is like a big reason why a lot of people like these uh, 70s uh, Jalo films, especially, but also some of the crime films. Um, okay, what about um, the um, the soundtrack to the film? Uh, this one is done by the DeAngelis brothers who did Street Law. I think it's a little bit unusual um, as far as the Italian scores go at the time. A little bit unusual, not totally unusual uh, in the sense that it's a little bit more rock-based. Um, if you are uh, kind of a fan of more of these rock-based scores uh, in Politioteschi's Castellari would also do a score with Goblin in the following year on his film, also with Fabio Testi, Heroin Busters, which is kind of a fun one, too. Uh, what did you make of the score? I thought um, it was fun. It got some, sometimes repetitive, uh, but it was fun. Okay, I agree, yeah. Uh, some people rate this score sort of as like an all-timer. I think it's good. I mean, the Italian scores might be the absolute best thing about so many of these films from the 70s and the 80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this one, I think, is, you know, about average for that, which means it's a really good score, but maybe not not top, top tier uh, mm-hmm. Italian. It's not quite Morricone level or uh, Goblin Deep Red level, uh, for me at least. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Um, yeah, and the thing that I think Castellari, he's kind of one of those major uh, directors for the Policioteschi films. He, he bounced around a lot of different genres. He dabbled in Jallos, Spaghetti Westerns, uh, some Spaghetti Combat films like Inglorious Bastards. Um, he even went to d- dystopian films and Jaws ripoffs in the 80s. Um, but I do think these are kind of the films he's most well-suited for. And I think part of that has to do uh, with kind of 
his sense of style and action. What do you make of kind of um, just the way that the action and the action set pieces were staged? I mean, I, I think uh, they were good, although not, not as good as, you know, uh, 1990, the Bronx Warriors. Um, I've actually seen that. Surprising. You have seen that? Yes. Really? Long time ago. But as I was looking him up, I was like, oh, he did that. That's a terrible movie. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. That is a terrible movie. I, I've seen that, too. Uh. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, I, I thought, I mean, there were moments where the action was really good, especially in the final set piece. Uh, during the fist fights, it's also, like, uh, some fun action. Um I don't know if we're gonna go into scene by scene later, but uh, I, 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 from the stunts that they did, especially one with uh, Fabio Testi that I uh, enjoyed was um, uh, the 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 rolling car. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, obviously he was not in the car that was rolling down that hill, but he was in a car that was rolling. Yeah. And that that looked like you know it's pretty brave for an actor to do that. Um, I had to slow it down to see when the the hands were coming out from the exterior, meaning the hands that were rolling the car. Uh, yeah, it, it's pretty fun, funny because yeah, you know he's supposed to be rolling down a hill, but uh, you see hands coming in once in a while, just for a split second, from the outside. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can sort of see on his face, too, where it's like, oh, what the fuck am I doing right here? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it looks super dangerous. I think that might be the single most impressive uh, kind of stunt and shot. It's not really surrounded with a set piece. Um, I mean, another reason why Palmieri is such a bad detective, he's following like 20 people, and somehow they sneak up on him. I know. <laughs> it, it's quite bad. Uh, it's like, what, what do you happen? Are you like listening to a podcast with your earbuds in? It's like, what, what's going on with your ears, buddy? Um, and so you just, uh, but uh, yeah, super well staged. I love that shot where he's just like, the car is tumbling over. And I think Castellari in particular stands out for his uh, really good use of slow motion. Um, I don't think he's quite John Woo, but I think, uh, you know, seeing some of his later stuff and stuff like that, he's really good with like explosions and just kind of like slow motion stuff going on and the action. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now I'm curious about what you think of uh, 1990 Brock's Warrior. Um, so yeah, that that's a good example of kind of like the dystopian stuff that Castellari did later. I'm personally not a huge fan of those kind of like uh, that that genre of later stuff that's sort of like I don't know, kind of trashy and dystopian. I mean, the lead character in those films is literally named Trash, and uh, yeah, I, 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 mean, I feel like that is actor. somehow appropriate. He is a terrible actor, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but that film was so good that they decided to do um, a couple sequels with it too. So yeah, why not? I mean, uh, after all, I mean, if you're going to be reaping off uh, Mad Max and Warriors. Um, might as well rip off Skate from New York as well. You know, you just mix all of those. Yeah. I mean, it, that film would have been so much better if they just cast uh, Fabio Testi, like de-aged Irishman style into that role. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that film is one that just gets totally killed by a totally inert lead that is just completely awful actor. 
Uh, anyways, <laughs> back to this one. Um, what about um, just kind of like the uh, pot construction and stuff like that? Um, yeah, one thing that stands out for me, um, just to sort of kick off the discussion too, is I feel like this film is touched with a lot of just cleverness. And some of that is kind of what I was referring to earlier, where we just have like all of these different elements from films tossed in, like this heat shooter. I like that. But just the way that they use uh, kind of the system against them, uh, like at one point, yeah, anyways, sorry, I don't want to go through my list all the way. So anything uh, kind of like as far as like pot construction or like little clever details that you uh, like kind of put into your notes? Um, I mean, I, I, I think it flows really well. Uh, besides uh, Manuel Pellegrini, no, just kidding. Uh, besides the, you know, the character by, uh, by uh, Pupo. The Doringo character, yeah. Yeah. Besides Doringo, uh, I think uh, it, 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 the inclusion of each character to for the uh, final set pi set piece and the introduction of each character is set up set up in a fairly organic manner. Um, and you know, like although you're not expecting uh, this group of people to meet up at the very end. It makes sense and it flows very easily from one end to, to uh, from one moment to another, um, and to be honest, that is, I mean, if I if I have a complaint, especially on Giallo's more than here, more than Politeskis, is that there are moments where the flow is not su super fluid. Like it, it, there's there there are plot changes that are too jarring in my opinion and here the, the plot changes are are actually very fluid it makes the movie yeah, I, move, move faster yeah i agree i think the pacing on this is very good i've seen some people say that this is too slow and i can't agree with that uh just because there's so much going on in this film and i do feel like it's uh definitely one of the more well put together italian genre films where it does feel fairly well thought through other than as you said uh romano pupo showing up uh uh like at the very end unexplained uh well partially explained i would say but le certainly less explained than the other characters being put together at the end yeah i mean uh, his entrance is almost explained by expo exposition only right right um, yeah, a couple things that I liked. I liked how the system was used kind of against the cops, and you could complain about, I think correctly so, uh, sort of the reactionary message of this film, but uh, like this, the way that like they're calling the cops in uh, to kind of deal with the informant of Pepe, I thought that was kind of clever, um, how they're like reporting Palmieri for like uh, violence and things like that. And then just the way that they rile up the mob uh, in order to kill uh, the informant kid. Um, I thought that stuff is like, you know, very evil, uh, but well thought through. Uh, and I was like kind of just impressed as far as like coming up with plot and stuff like that uh, goes. I thought uh, I thought it was clever, uh, just the way that some of the stuff was done. Yeah, I mean, uh, the 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 whole police violence uh, part. I mean, that was part, in my opinion, probably the the most reactionary element to it. You know, the the first time that they catch them. And uh, all the cops have, have their hands tied basically by a justice system that I am pretty sure is not how it works anywhere in the world. Yeah. Now yeah. I mean, or back then. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, they put a cop in the hospital. <laughs> surely, surely they could put those people in uh, 
in jail. Yeah, exactly. I mean, not only did they put a cop in the hospital, but uh, hey, guess what? Uh, that cop can make a complaint. And he saw every single person who did that to him. Therefore, and he's an actual victim and a proper witness to that particular crime. So even if cops could not be witnesses to crimes in general, which that's what the movie basically says, uh, he could be a witness to, to the crime committed to him as a victim. And guess what? All the, the, the top bad guys were involved in that crime. And the entire movie makes no sense. And that's where, you know, yes, it's highly reactionary. But then but then it gets to the part. I mean, these are the, I guess, my pet peeves, right? It's like with this type of like genre is they they basically excuse the the inability for the cops to do their jobs on, on a system by portraying the system to an absurd level. Uh, and, you know, having these guys just make false complaints about uh, police violence. Oh, that's enough to get out. It's it's almost like, you know, the, the movie cliche in the U.S. of, oh, he didn't read my Miranda rights, so I, I get to go home free. It's like, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> right, right. But, like, sort of getting off on, like, ticky-tacky type stuff. Yeah, it's like, no, no, that's not how it works. And... Uh, and in fact, I mean, you know, uh, I mean, and, and that's why you don't see this type, like, this type of racketeers to the level that is shown in the movie is 100% pure fiction. And it's for a reason, because if it ever got that big, I mean, the racketeer with extortion, to be precise, if it, if it ever got that big, either it's because you are in a failed state which perhaps Italy in the 70s was, but I doubt it. Or, yeah, or, or there's a cor- level of corruption that this movie actually didn't even show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you'd need something within the system, uh, like, like some sort of police commissioner or multiple police commissioners, uh, commissarios, uh, helping them out. Yeah. Not, that would have made sense. Not, not a fucking defense attorney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who seemed like a like not a especially high level defense attorney either. No, I mean like you know he had a nice suit, he had the nice hair, the hairdo. I'm I'm assuming he's supposed to be like a, you know a top lawyer. It's probably like the the defense attorney in uh, the Wire. You know, like whenever okay. you saw him, you'd be like, oh, this guy. <laughs> but uh, yeah. but not but that's not a sign of corruption in in and of itself. True. True. Um, yeah, well, uh, okay. Well, anything else before I kind of get down to a couple of the scenes? Uh, I just have a handful of scenes picked out. Oh, no, no, let's go for it. Okay, well, I think we already kind of covered the first one I had, just the opening set piece. Um, I like the opening where they're just kind of breaking the store, and but I think the big thing that it kind of builds up to is them throwing Fabio Testi's car down the hill mm-hmm. and just kind of that that shot uh some great slow-mo uh after he temporarily lost his hearing uh where they are breaking the windows and stuff open and then they toss him down any additional thoughts before we uh kind of go on to a no of later I, I mean i just love that car rolling uh the, the inside shots of that car we're, we're just yeah, yeah i actually probably watched it three times just because i 
I just really wanted to observe like all the little details on, on how they did that. Um, it's really impressive. Yeah. It's like super well done. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, it, supposedly it's one of those that uh, Castellari um, it is, has been asked constantly uh, how he did it um, because people aren't sure. I um, mean, but I, I have my theories. I think, you know how at first they show the whole gang picking up the car and rolling it? Mm-hmm. I think they just did that a whole bunch of times. But instead of doing it at a hill cliff, they did it at a flat surface. Right, just... right. So people are just cycling the car. Yeah. I, I think that that would make the most sense uh, for sure on it. Especially um, because you see hands once in a while showing up from the outside, as in saying there's people yeah, yeah. handling the car. Right, right, right. And the way it's done in slow-mo and you just see like the little particles in the car of glass and other stuff coming mm-hmm, in. Like a book. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, if you remember the Eurocrime documentary, uh, Castellari does talk about it briefly uh, in that film. Mm. Um, just talk when they're talking about different stunts and stuff like that. Done. Uh, yeah, uh, let's see. Um, the other set piece uh, we've talked a lot about, kind of the concluding set piece already, but the one in the middle uh, that I think is worth pointing out is the one where they set up in ambush, mm-hmm. but the uh, but the racketeers are one step ahead. And set up an ambush for the ambush where they surround the police uh, there. So this is another moment where, again, so two different areas. The set piece itself, really fun. Lots of shootings, people coming from all the angles, train uh, like from top of t- trains and things like that. That's where the skit shooter, shooter like joins in for being a, wanted to be a hero. And that's pretty fun. Um, but again, sorry, like, I'm, I'm going to go back to the plot a little bit. That was another scene where it was implied that there was an inside man. Which adds to the disappointment when you see a fucking defense attorney <laughs> showing up later. <laughs> You're right. You know, it really makes it seem like someone just forgot to show up on work that day and they had to scramble. And they're like, okay, it's the defense attorney now. <laughs> but you're right. It doesn't make any sense, does it? Yeah. Anyways, uh, but yes, go on the scene. Um, yeah, I, I think it's just a really good shootout. I think Castellari stages it really well. Um, I like how they're like getting in position and stuff like that. And then we see uh, the criminals getting in position too. Uh, the way it's tra- staged on trains and stuff like that. Um, it reminds me a little bit of kind of like a Western where, you know, you have a bunch of trains and stuff like that. People are jumping around on them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's just a, a really well done uh, gunfight. And we also see them mow down uh, Salvatore, who is Fabio Testi's Palmieri's partner. Um, so that kind of gives him a little extra motivation. Not that he necessarily needed it um, throughout the film. And then uh, even throughout that whole thing, they introduced the skeet shooter. Mm-hmm. Who, yeah, no, uh, it's, it's, it's... Who's pretty great. I mean, I love that they incorporate, like, literally an Olympian uh, into the film. Uh, so that that I thought was a lot of fun. I, I agree. I, I, I think it does a really good job, uh, actually, because I'm, it's not one of those moments where it's a set piece for the purpose of being a set piece, but it also adds more elements to the plot. The revenge, uh, the the making making this issue now extra personal for Palmieri, adding the skid shooter. Uh, one thing I will note, though, is that Salvatore's death was 
uh, one of the one of the longer deaths I've seen in films. He gets shot from the front, where you see blood coming out from behind, so you know that this is a really bad shot. He kills a bunch of people, gets his gun, you know, stuck or whatever. He's like, oh god damn it! He gets shot again, and then Palmieri sees him as he's like, oh, kind of falling, and then he gets shot a whole bunch of times. So this man can get shot a million times while everyone else dies in one shot. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it might remind me a little bit of a good old James Conn's death in uh, The Godfather. Yeah. Yeah, you could say that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or, or a lot of these Hong Kong films that you'll see, which I've been watching, uh, you know, regularly for a while, um, where they, they, they die very similar fashions to Salvatore. We'll put it that way, mm-hmm. where they get cut once. And then they cut, get cut a bunch more times, uh, and it, they are seemingly superhuman in how long it takes for them to kill. But apparently, Salvatore is wired the same way as those guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I also like just the random explosions. There are a lot of random explosions in this film, particularly at the end. But there's also some uh, of police cars here, and uh, yeah, I think uh, Castellari. Well, these are definitely a little ridiculous, but I think if you accept them, they are uh, certainly fun. <laughs> Oh wait, you mean the the, the what what was it the Ford Pinto uh, that would blow up? Um, I believe so. Yeah. During this fight or no the, the... no no. So there, there's a car that became famous in the seventies because the the way it was wired uh, made it so it blew up very easily. Uh, it was recalled. In, it basically was completely killed. I, I believe the model, the Megan model, was a Ford Pinto. Um, at the end of this movie, everyone is driving a Ford Pinto. <laughs> That's what's happening. That was my only. Uh, sure, it had Italian brands on them, but there were Ford Pintos. That's the only explanation <laughs> I have of why all these cars blew up with one single gunshot. <laughs> Well, we do see him doing something funny with the bullets, uh, I guess, to make them explosive. But it certainly stretches the uh, the uh, uh, limits of the imagination to imagine. Because he shoots like four bullets and like four cars blow up. It's like, exactly. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Again, no, they, I think they were Ford Pintos, you know. Uh, they didn't get recalled. And uh, these bad guys were like, hey, you know, we're in Italy, a country that makes amazing cars. But uh, we're going to import <laughs> Ford Pintos from... The United States of America, because uh, they sound cool. Yeah, you know more advice for the uh, small-time criminal here from Inyaki. It's like if you're a mobster, don't buy the Ford Pinto. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just an occupational hazard at that point. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyways, any any last thoughts on that uh, that uh, kind of shootout in the middle? Uh, the shootout in the middle. Oh, that, that was uh, plenty of fa- uh, fun. Like that was, um, yeah, not much beyond. It's fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, uh, although, speak- although I, I guess this one is one of the moments where it says, "A good guy with a gun may save the day." It's true. It's it's some good uh, propaganda right there. Yeah, uh, I, I guess some uh, Republicans were correct here, as long as they're yeah, yeah. they're Olympic skid shooters. Which the United States has not meddled in years. Yeah. So maybe we need just need more Olympic medalist ski shooters in here. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm, yeah. uh, but you know, Americans are better at killing children in schools than uh, shooting at kids. <laughs> true enough. True enough. Um, well, speaking of not fun, uh, <laughs> I one thing I do like about this film too, or like or dislike, I'm not sure, but it was worth commenting on, uh, is how it immediately transitions out of that fight uh, to Palmieri talking to the skeet shooter. He's like, well, I guess you need to come down and uh, do some paperwork. But it immediately transitions the next scene to uh, the skeet shooter and his wife uh, reading about themselves in the paper the next day, mm -hmm. which immediately turns into kind of that sex second very violent um, sexual assault salt that happens yeah. um where the wife ends up getting burnt uh, to death as well uh so it's just i was just kind of shocked at how fast it transitions to that where it's like the skeet shooter is not even in the film helps him out and then all of a sudden he has a revenge plot almost immediately yeah i, I guess that 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 will pro probably was one of the more rushed elements i kind of liked it though uh, yeah, yeah 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 but uh but i i can see that, that, like I said before, it flows really well, but that was one, perhaps one of the more abrupt elements. It th that scene reminded me a little bit of uh, Clockwork Orange for some reason. It, hmm. I I could kind of see it. Yeah. There's kind of a uh, a Clockwork Orange vibe to the gang too, in in a weird way. Yeah, and and that to me was perhaps one of the more noticeable in the sense that. It's just this gang comes in full of glee, breaking into someone's house and, you know, uh, doing a bunch of nasty stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like, the villains are very over-the-top nasty in this film. Like, very, very evil. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they're very Anyways. young, too. Or they're young-ish. So that also is makes it similar to Clockwork Orange. Right, right. I mean, in a, in a way, if you want to support kind of the, that right wing message, or well, if you if you think this film supports that too, you could read them as sort of being like the evil versions of hippies, uh, not unlike uh, maybe Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, too. Well, yeah, but I mean, the Manson family was, or the Manson Ranch was a ranch of a bunch of brainwashed hippies. That's exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyways, all right. Uh, let's go to the... Um, oh, one other scene I wanted to point out, too, is I liked, or at least I found it to be pretty effective, mm -hmm. uh, the scene where they're riling up the mob. It, in a weird way, reminded me a little bit of Halloween Kills, where it's like, evil dies tonight, except it's actually done in a fairly effective way. Oh, um, yeah. Where, yeah, I thought that was, like, another thing where they're really using kind of, like, that mob justice with, like, oh, I heard he killed a woman and he killed a kid. Uh, and so they basically just rile the mob like that uh, in order to uh, do uh, to to kill one of the uh, the informants. So I thought that was really well done. I I agree. Um, it, it's funny how you mentioned uh, Halloween, uh, the last Halloween movie. Yeah, Halloween Kills. Halloween Kills. Because yeah, it, it reminded me of Halloween Kills too. But I was like, oh, this is probably what they were going for. A very effective scene. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, a very ineffective scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, it was like about a tenth of the length as the Halloween Kills thing, which seemed to go on forever. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that helped it as well. Yeah. Yeah. But that scene, uh, you know, I, I thought that scene was pretty effective too, giving uh, Pepe uh, some, uh, some emotional weight to it. Yeah, no, I, I thought... Um... I mean, Pepe, again, 
to me, he stole the movie. He, he, and 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 the actor did a really great job at showing like how heartbroken he was at seeing his nephew being just pummeled to death by uh, an angry mob. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's another moment where the film is very much mean spirited. Yeah, but better. It, it's it, it's less problematic. We'll put it that way. Uh, anyways, okay, let's go to the conclusion and share any last thoughts. I know we've kind of talked about it throughout the podcast. I think it's certainly one of the big highlights, just the men on a mission uh, banding together. We have to see them break in. They kind of break into the facility in kind of a funny, uh, very un-PC fashion. <laughs> uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, the actual uh, uh, shootout is quite entertaining. Yeah, yeah, the shit I was entertaining, uh, how they get in. Again, this, 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 that's funny. Like the how how they get in, also makes me think of that dystopian future of a Clockwork Orange, where everyone is a little bit deranged at a certain level. Um, because I mean, a Clockwork Orange is kind of like it was not just the main characters who were deranged. It's just like the entire society. And yes. how they get in is like goes sort of hand in hand with that style. Um, but yeah, the, the final shootout, how everyone groups themselves, how the the movie builds expectations. Like you know that Luigi's gonna fuck it up. You just know that, but but it's still gonna happen. And uh, and you just want you're just expecting the when when is Luigi gonna fuck it up, and how. And, um, and you know, it, it does a really good job. I mean, all those little elements, uh, uh, all the way to, again, uh, Luigi's suicide. I mean, also a very great, uh, Peppa's sacrifice to, to warn, uh, Palmieri. Palmieri, I think. Yeah. Great. Uh, the, I guess the only part that the, the only disappointment for me was I guess um, the skid shooter's death. I thought that was kind of stupid, but everyone else's death was sort of uh, poetic. Yeah, yeah. In a way. Yeah, the skid shooter who it's like he's shooting from this duct that's hanging off, and no one seems to see him until the duct actually falls off. I thought that was yeah. It's kind of kind of a little silly for sure, uh, but yeah. I, I I mean it's kind of like. I don't know. It's like you're a classic man on a mission. You know that not many of them are going to make it, but they all kind of are want to die in this ball of glory, and more or less they all do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Palmieri yeah. will go to prison because how how will he explain a building f- filled with dead people? <laughs> or he'll go because he uh, illegally modified his gun for the explosive mo- bullets. Because I'm sure whatever he did to his gun to explode like that was. Uh, was highly illegal yeah although he might get uh, fake passports and just you know go to uh, another country yeah 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 um, yeah anyways yeah the conclusion i thought was pretty well done the set pieces are nice and long too so you can really sort of sink your teeth into uh, the two shootouts that we get and i really do think castellari is the best um 
sort of at filming kind of the the uh, sort of more American style gun violence mm-hmm. of the Italian and Pitalicioteschi directors. Usually the highlights are often car chases and stuff like that. And this one's a little bit different uh, in that sense. So I appreciate that aspect as well. Okay. Well, any last thoughts before we get uh, into sort of a souvenir and who won? Uh, I just wanted to point out that uh, this film had a, um, a, F- a ZA production type of ending with a freeze frame of someone screaming. Yeah, very abrupt bindi, but I didn't mind it. Uh, besides that, no, I just wanted to point that out. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm, I'm watching the ending now, and that <laughs> his face looks very similar to to someone someone else I know. <laughs> no face. <laughs> very good i'm glad you pointed that out anyways uh that's a little bit too much of an inside joke i don't think the the film to film fans know exactly what we're talking about but i think that's okay yeah that's uh okay <laughs> what 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 souvenir are you taking from this film um geez i actually did not think of this um i don't know some those like mini machine guns why not yeah uh yeah if anyone wants to own a gun this film is definitely one where you would take a gun uh yeah geez i mean i feel like the most notable items in this film are all guns something that i don't really want uh to be honest uh so i'll take the skeet shooting gold medal how about that yeah i mean maybe i'll take the the ford pintos (laughs) before or after explosion before of course so they can explode as i'm driving so you can uh you can uh, stack some bullets and just have have a little bit of a firework show yeah <laughs> okay um who won the film um fuck it i'll give it to pepe i know that i should be <laughs> be better but uh i'll give it to pepe he stole my heart fair enough fair enough uh yeah i i thought you would like pepe too he's like i feel like often in these italian films those characters just do not work I thought he worked really well in this, so uh, I was that was one of those things revisiting this film after a few years. I was like, oh yeah, Pepe is good. I think Inaki will like Pepe, and I'm glad to have been proven correct. Um, okay, uh, I will give it to Castellari, uh, kind of your standard answer. Yeah, I think it's just a well-directed film. I think this is maybe my favorite of his Polizioteskis. I think I have more fun with this than I do something like Street Law, uh, just because kind of that man on a mission concept. Uh, is a lot of fun and there's a couple of just really good uh, set pieces to it too mm-hmm. uh, and uh, rating uh, give it a six and a half maybe seven okay yeah I am man I'm like between a seven and a half and an eight uh, I think this is definitely one of the uh, political tasks that's probably uh, worth checking out if you're newer to the genre in fact actually why don't you answer that question too it's like if someone was new and wasn't familiar with Plutiotesky, do you think this one's good, or would you recommend something else, like Caliber 9? So, uh, this is where, uh, like, plot-wise, um, especially with the final scene, I definitely think think it's a good movie to watch in that sense, but uh, there are a couple of moments that are just so cruel that... Um, I don't think it's for everyone. 
So yeah. if it's not for everyone, is it a good movie to start a genre? Maybe not. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. You can certainly avoid those moments in other ones. I mean, the shame with this film, too, is like I do feel like 90% of it is like one of the most fun films in Palacio Teschi Eurocrime films. Mm-hmm. And it's just like that extra cruel edge that is going to definitely bother some people uh, more than others uh, that I think does uh, kind of kick it down a notch for uh, a fair bit of folks, which is kind of a shame. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because it's like, it's funny you you mentioned the second the second one uh, out of the two moments uh, of the, the fucked up moments, but I mean I I think the first one is the one that I I think is the worst. It's considering that it's the child. Um, it's less graphic though. It's less graphic, but at this but it, the message is it, it's much worse. And actually, in both cases, you get to see the face of the man doing the thing. And of course, the yeah. first one should be less graphic because I believe that was a child actor too. So I would fucking hope it's less graphic. He, that is actually the director's daughter. Yeah, still the child actor. So yeah. I would fucking hope it's not <laughs> yeah. graphic because if not, uh, it would be, um, you know, it would be a whole different genre of film, one that it would be illegal anywhere in the in the world. Um, yes. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, I, I, I can accept either one being worse. <laughs> I mean, we're arguing between uh, two things that are both pretty vile. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I guess it's that the second one, it's like it's something I've seen already by by in other Politzetskis, but I, and I've also seen in in other films like again Clockwork Orange, and Clockwork Orange is actually much worse than this one. Uh, yes. Although it has more of a message to it, which I think is why probably people would excuse it more. Mm. But all of them? Because <laughs> Orange has a lot of those. <laughs> so Fair enough. Fair enough. So, yeah. um, so I guess that's why I'm more forgiving on the second as opposed to the first. Yeah. Like, you didn't need to uh, show it. You, you could have just said, oh, you show the next scene of the girl dead and you say why she died and you got it that's enough or or even yeah. even have that when they were driving off you know already they got her you have that bitchy moment i mean like that moment with uh uh with uh what's her name um uh, Mar- Mar- uh marcy yeah marcy no is marcy the girl the little girl or is well the gangster the the female gangster uh-huh yeah 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 when you who i just yeah yeah just as a nurse as a, as a, a, nun. a nun yeah, yeah you, another another little twist that i liked yeah you, i mean i would not cut that moment that moment was great so that up to the drive everything was fine it's just you know showing what would be what the deed would look like is where i um like that that's when it crossed crossed the line for me so like you could have gone all the way to the nuns and then you already say what they're gonna do and then you just cut directly from the next scene with the father with the daughter on his arms and you're like all right i know what happened I, i don't i don't need to have that little moment where you know you're kind of yeah yeah it doesn't need to linger so much i mean there's no doubt that there's a lot of excess uh extra that we get uh in these moments that you know may not have aged the best 
I, I mean, I don't think they were acceptable then either. I'm pretty sure. Probably not, but I do think we see that stuff in a little bit of a different lens uh, now. Not that it was ever necessarily uh, great. Again, yeah, I mean, but again, like that's where uh, the, the second and the first for me are, are big differences. I think it's the age of the character. Okay. But yeah. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Well, uh, we have our uh, epilogue there discussing those two scenes again, uh, which is fine. Okay, so you would say maybe something like Caliber 9 or something would be a better Plechotowski to start with. Yeah, what was the one that we started with, actually? Caliber 9. Yeah, I think that one was... Because that that one also was, you know... It has a little bit of the the crime stuff and then revenge at the end. Caliber 9 is kind of uh, solid through and through. Right, right, exactly, and less of the problematic stuff. I think if you were more in the mood of it for an action film, and this one, uh, kind of, this one, it, and you think you'd be more unbothered by the kind of scenes we were just describing, then I think this one's pretty perfect, uh, pretty ideal mm-hmm. uh, for someone in the mood for something like that. I think they kind of offer different flavors uh, for the same genre. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in. Uh, I think Inyaki and I both mostly recommend this film uh, mm-hmm. with some reservations. Uh, you can email us at zafilmtofilm at gmail.com or tweet at us at zafilmtofilm. Thank you all uh, for tuning in, and we'll see you all next time. Ciao. Ciao. Yeah.